This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin, joining me for a very special mini-sode, uh, the one and only comic book creator, Bijan Aga. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? You know, I am, I'm doing okay. I guess we're recording this a bit in the past, so, you know, I won't really try to talk about current events, but one, everyone should know uh, wildfires are happening in Canada. I hope you were safe a month ago. Um, but other than that, <laughs> I'm doing fine because I got to read some comic books and you're here as a special guest on this show. Uh, Bijan, could you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself and what you're up to? Yeah, so uh, I'm the creator of a series called Time Wars, and we're having the first entry, which is a comic book called The Adventures of Cobra Olympus. It is a fast-paced action-adventure comic with some romance and some comedy, and it's very much in the style of the older comics from the mid-century. Um, we got some inspiration from the absolute uh, masters of the crafts around that time, and we've infused it with a uh, look to the future, because as a trans and Muslim artist, it was only right for my first comic book character to also be trans and Muslim. So Cobra Olympus is a new hero for a new era while respecting the uh, history of comics. Yeah, I, you know, and you gave me a little bit of a preview for, for, uh, I guess the Kickstarter that's ongoing right now. There's a link to that in the show notes. Um, and I definitely feel that vibe when reading the book. But I guess before we dig into talking about the Kickstarter, because I got a bunch of questions about that, let's talk a little bit about comic books. So I'm going to ask you the two questions that we usually ask here on the show. I read comic books, which is how have you been? How have comic books been? What have you been reading? Well, so I was actually just a guest on, um, the Two Dimension podcast, and the topic was the original run of Wonder Woman, because when I was a kid, that was one of the first comics I got my hands on, was um, a big reprint of Wonder Woman. Now, when I first originally read it, it was just a black and white reprint on that uh, cheap yellow paper uh, with the thin mm -hmm. covers mm -hmm. that had been worn over time, and uh, and so that's what I, how I, one of the re original comics I got into. So uh, when the topic came up naturally on the, the podcast, we decided to do another episode on um, specifically uh, Wonder Woman and that, that original Charles Moulton uh, run. Um, and, uh, and so I got to go back and I got to read about the history of the creators. Uh, I got to learn, um, you know, like the, the history of how the creator was actually a psychologist uh, who... Um, had fervently defended in his in one of his books uh, the idea that being um, queer and trans and kinky was totally normal. And mm -hmm. he was doing this in the 1920s. And so uh, the, the comic that I've just been binge reading uh, for the past month or so has been the first hundred issues of Wonder Woman. And they are just Whoa. classic American literature. And it's, it's so great to see the digital preservation of these comics because the colors are bold and bright the same way you would see on a page at the time in a way that you, you can't reproduce by holding the, the real thing in your hand anymore because they weren't they were made to last, you know. Right. So right. It's, it's, it's really great to see that that it's still something that new generations can access. It's it's really it's really important to the history of comics. 
Yeah, it, it always blows my mind when I see these these very high quality editions of comics from that era, basically from like the 20s up through the 60s and 70s, where like no one was really collecting them. I mean, people were clearly collecting them in some capacity, but th- to see them like reprinted in these super high quality, really well preserved, really beautiful versions of those comics. Like I grabbed um, from a Fanagraphic sale recently um, a bunch of like reprints of Mickey Mouse comics and some Donald Duck or Donald, yeah, Donald Duck comics. And I was and these books were published, you know, like 70 years ago, and they're in pristine, like recreated quality to, yeah. to make sure that you, you know, these things are archived. And it's, you know, I think uh, Penguin Random House is putting out a series of Marvel books right now, um, edited by Ben Saunders, who we've had on the show before. He's a professor in in Oregon, if I'm not mistaken, teaching about comics and stuff. Um, and they're reprinting like classic Fantastic Four, classic Spider-Man, classic Captain America. Um, and it's great to see that these types of books are being preserved for folks who want to go back and read these classic stories. And I didn't know that there was a, a bunch of Wonder Woman archive like this. Like I've read a handful of those old issues here and there, but I didn't know that there were like hundreds of issues like this that were preserved. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Um, and it's, it's actually really interesting to see that there's this uh, break that we never noticed in the history of, uh, of Wonder Woman for a while because um, there was actually uh, a woman who was the, the 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 second author of the the comic? Um, it's something that it, it, her her name was Joyce Hummel, and mm. or was it Joy Hummel? Uh, it's it's either Joyce or Joy Hummel, and she was the uh, the secretary of the artist, a typist actually. Um, so she actually worked on the comics. She was she was the one typing out the stories uh, onto the pieces of paper that they would then you know cut and paste onto the the artwork and when Charles Moulton was on his deathbed um, he act- he was from polio he actually took handed over the du- the writing duties to her and uh, no one knew no one the world didn't know comic historians didn't know because she used the same pen name as him Charles Moulton uh, his, his real name was William Marston William Moulton Marston um, and so because she used the same pen name, it wasn't public knowledge. It was only discovered in 2014 in, for the creation of the book, The Secret, Le- Secret History of Wonder Woman. Oh, right. Yes, I remember that coming out. And I, a friend of our, ours who's on the show every once in a while, big Wonder Woman fan. I remember they were, they were going crazy about it. I totally forgot about that. That's amazing. Yeah. So she was, the, she was only the second Golden Age author for Wonder Woman. And uh, the first woman to write uh, the, the the comics, and only only now, with the benefit of hindsight, can we see her own distinct style and vision for Wonder Woman apart mm-hmm. from the original mm-hmm. author, and that she was the first person to really start taking liberties with the character in ways that other people hadn't before. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible. I mean, see, now you're making me want to go back and read a hundred issues of Wonder <laughs> Woman. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, no, that, that sounds incredible. Do you have a, do you have a big history with, with the character? Are you like a big DC or Marvel person? I guess if, if we're going into things. Well, you know, I've always had a love for, for all of them. I think I was, my history has been so dotted with, with independent creators combined with the big, the big two. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, the, as I'm, I'm either young enough or old enough, depending on your perspective, that, uh, my, Saturday morning was filled with Batman the Animated Series and Spider-Man the Animated Series. Okay. And so uh, I had a big DC influence and a big Spider-Man, big Marvel influence. 
But then there was also the Ninja Turtles, which is independent, and Mighty Morphin Power right. Rangers, which, while it isn't comics, is certainly superheroes. Um, yes. And, yeah. and so uh, and there was also, you know, like I said, there was big volumes of classic Wonder Woman and Superman and uh, Spider-Man. And, like, there were just these, these – any, any comic that was sufficiently popular had been reprinted on these pulpy little – you know, they're, well, not little, but they're very thick tomes, uh, and I could mm-hmm. check them out at the check them out from the library, and you know, you know, uh, you know, sit on my bed and and read these these thick tomes, and and so it was uh, it was a lot of Wonder Woman, it was a lot of Superman, it was a lot of Spider Man, like those were the big three that got reprinted and carried by the library, and then gotcha. a little smattering of you know, I did, and especially in my teenage years, I started to actually get into getting my own comics, you know, it's because I had my own money. And that's mm-hmm. when I started getting back issues of like the original Ninja Turtles run. Uh, that was what really fueled my 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 comic collection. Um, so yeah, that that Eastman and Laird uh, Ninja Turtles that was a big one for me. I, I like the IDW one. I haven't been able to keep up, but I did appreciate yeah. the tone and the artwork and the the respect for the original while still taking liberties. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that that new run, or I guess new. I put new in heavy, heavy quote know, there because yeah, I think relative. it's been <laughs> it's been a decade. Um, but yeah, I I really did enjoy like the first couple of volumes that I read. I I too didn't keep up, but like Nick, who's another person on the show, kept up. I think he read through sixteen or seventeen volumes of it. Um, and he said, you know, even reading some of the older. Uh, Ninja Turtle stuff. He's like, yeah, there, there's exactly what you were talking about. There's this respect for the older, and I think Eastman came and did some work, and you know, mm-hmm. the, Eastman and yeah. Laird are working together kind of on this new Last Ronin thing. Um, but yeah, I I totally get you with that. That I love the the new and the old turtles. Um, if we're if we're gonna go that route, but uh, um, let me I guess let me talk a little bit about what I've been reading. We can we can talk a little bit more about comics and your Kickstarter here in a second. Um. I sat down and read a book called Delphine. This is from Fanographics, written by Richard Sala. And it's kind of this real world turned supernatural horror uh, story about a man who's obsessed with this woman that he briefly dated and how his obsession where he goes to her hometown where she gave him an address that he mailed her and his letters were never received or something. It kind of starts to turn him physically into a monster. And it's kind of this weird blending of like fantasy and reality with like this satirical take on like the um, reverse of a Cinderella story. Uh, it I don't know how to properly describe it because to me it felt like at, w- at one point I was like, this is a, just a slice of life comic about a guy who's maybe too obsessed and that's what makes him a bad person. And then he's the focus of the story. And then it turns into like everybody who lives in this town that he goes to is like some sort of supernatural monster thing. Like there's a werewolf boy, but maybe it's not actually him. He's just a loud kid that his mom has like hasn't held on to. Um, and there's these there are these witches that are apparently torturing this guy. But it turns out maybe he was actually just poisoned by some cor- some sort of food that he ate. It's a really weird like. You don't know what's real and what's not. And the end is ambiguous enough to say maybe this guy's just a jerk and he was imagining all of this. Or maybe he was turned into an ogre person who loses an eye and is chasing this angelic figure up a hill. It's it's a really weird book. And I, I don't feel bad talking about the end of it because I didn't tell you much about this book. And I think if anybody goes into it, they're going to go they're going to be leaving scratching their head, but in a good way, because it's a book that really makes you think about like how people perceive themselves and how the world perceives or how you perceive other people in the world. Um, Plus it's got this, like, like I said, reverse Cinderella story where you're getting like the obsessive 
uh, or not Cinderella, I guess, like Sleeping Beauty story where you're getting this obsessive night um, thing and you're getting the perspective of someone who um, has maybe taken it a bit too far. So it, it's not violent by any means. It's just kind of like that a, a story about a guy who's maybe a little bit just obsessed with this idea of a person and that makes him kind of a bad person for that reason. You know, putting someone up on a pedestal like that is not fair to that person. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good read. Um, it's, but again, it's, it's fanographic. So it's kind of out there in, in terms of like the, the way that it's the, t- the story is told. I really, really dug the art. I think Richard Sala has a great knack for making things somehow both slice of lifey and horror at the same time. Um, and it kind of, it kind of reminded me, there's some video games out there like that, that I had the name for earlier and I totally forgot, but it was really good. And, uh, if you get a chance to read it, you know, check it out from your library. I think that's where I would set this book. Uh, how would you describe the artwork? I'm very uh, curious about that. It, it reminds me of like, it's like a, it's got a very Gothic feel to it. Um, like everything is drawn in very thick rushed pencils, um, and inks, um, except for the main character of the story. Um, who we really don't get we really don't get a lot of information about him which is kind of funny um but yeah everything is drawn like very it kind of reminds me like the super high detail that you would see in spongebob but with just pencils and inks um (laughs) which is kind of a weird thing but the the book does this thing over and over and over where we turn to panels or like the character will uh, main character will see something in one panel and then the next panel will be like what he's reacting to and it'll be like this hyper detailed picture of someone like grimacing at him and then the next <laughs> panels you won't really know what he's looking at because you're not sure if he's hallucinating or not um it's it's a pretty cool way to describe or, or to to do things um and the, i like the way that the book is broken down in like just pages of six panel grids um with this very sketchy black and white style um, all throughout. Like, again, the only way I can think to describe it is like Gotham or Gothic pencil drawings. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to say Tim Burton-esque, but I feel like that's not the right knack there. The, the name of the video game that I'm thinking is going to come to me as soon as we hit stop on the record button. But um, <laughs> if I think about it, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um but yeah enough about i guess enough about what i was talking about let's talk a little bit more um about this kickstarter that you have i guess for folks at home who haven't clicked on the link yet could you could you go through it one more time and maybe talk a little bit about where your inspiration came from this book yeah so um it was actually uh the fact that i was going back to some classic comics that made me want to actually make one of my own so um, I've done lots of different writing in the past, and I've uh, made some video games, um, but this was my first really big attempt at a comic book, and it was drawing from all my favorite inspiration. Uh, I think I think a big turning point for me was reading Wonder Woman Dead Earth, because that comic oh, was yeah. such a yeah, such a perfect blend of like nostalgic themes and you, you, you know artwork that's really impactful that that carries the weight of a of a hit you know that that has velocity mm-hmm. and speed and you know the the all of that really was was super inspiring to me to try and make something that would blend old ideas with new but I didn't want to do exactly what Wonder Woman Dead Earth had done because it was such a unique experience there's no way that i could i could duplicate something like that so right, right. Um, instead i thought more about thinking about the way stories are told and my favorite things that made comics great 
And when I when I think about what really makes <clears throat> what really makes comics a, a great medium is our ability to see someone's face and then you know although abstractly hear their voice and also at the same time hear their thoughts and maybe even throw in another layer and add an, a narrator. So these all these things that we we now often do without in modern comics. They're very they're wonderful beautiful comics that do without these things. But I wanted to try and bring meaning back to a lot of these forms and formats and conventions that had served the comics community for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I wanted to create a story that was 20 pages long, that told a story from top to bottom, and would be uh, in, a, in, in its form inspired by the past, but in its content looking to the future. So as a trans and Muslim person myself, it felt, you know, they say, write what you know. So instead of, you know, mm-hmm, writing about mm-hmm. someone who, whose life I don't intimately understand, I decided to make the character much more like myself. And so um, in the great history of, of superhero comics, um, Cobra Olympus, my hero, is um, trying to balance their normal everyday life with their life as a superhero and i think for a muslim in particular there's this theme of we don't get to be the the writers of our own destiny we can we can contribute to what our future is we make decisions that guide and navigate our future but we're going down a river whose path lays before us and so Mm. cobra olympus from the deep future is being has been given a call to battle. Someone from deep, deep in the future says, we need your help in order to change the future from one that's terrible to one where we have a chance. And I need you to do a series of things. I need you to fight literal monsters in order to mm. create a better future. So um, so this this first issue, I wanted to tell a fun action-adventure story with a little bit of romance, some good humor, quick pace with some splashy artwork and some great action scenes. And, uh, and I, we have plans for making the stories um, increasingly philosophical about the role of someone's, uh, the, the, someone's role in history, how we navigate a society where so much of it is laid out for us. And, and there's, we have, we don't have a lot of, you know, we have so much control in the world and there's also so much that we don't control and how do we navigate that? So, uh, with this first project, uh, this first issue battle of the blood golem, we want the adventures of Cobra Olympus to, um, become a fun series that we can start and, uh, follow up with lots of, lots of more adventures with these same characters and some new characters that we've already thought up. And, uh, you know, we've been having a great time, um, uh, planning the future of a new character that, uh, I think a lot of people are going to get a kick out of. Yeah. I mean, just from the preview, you know, that I think you sent over, I think it's also available on the Kickstarter, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, on the Kickstarter, right below the video, there's a big thing that says click here. That's where you can download the uh, 13 page preview. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Just from the the preview, I guess what I was what I was getting at is like, there is there is something about the pacing of this book that like, drew me in. And I was like, there's no way I just got through 13 pages, right? I will say, like, 
I was very, very like uh, some indie, some indie creators. I think have a problem with pacing. Sometimes I was so blown away by how quick this read and how much I felt like I I got through um, in just thirteen pages. Like this is this is a very high quality book for being like what you said your first comic book ever. Um, <laughs> I don't mean well, to like oversell this, but it's really, really <laughs> impressive. Like in how, like again, how snappy everything feels. I it was it's such a pleasure to read. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I really tried to study at the feet of the masters, right? Like I totally. this is the res, this is the result of reading over a thousand comics published over a forty year period, and <laughs> so wow, so, I yeah. like yeah. I I didn't you know it was it may have been my first time coming out of the gate but I've basically been in comic book university my whole life you know sure, this is sure this sure is, this medium is one of my great passions in life um, yeah so you know I had a I had a, a great um, a deep appreciation for the 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 giants on whose shoulders I'm standing. Definitely. I mean, and I can I can feel that inspiration, especially from from maybe older comics. I think this is one of the rare comics that I've read in a long time that actually uses like captions in the way of like that is a, as a way to narrate. But it to me doesn't feel like over the top, right? This isn't like a, a Stan Lee book where it's, you know, 10 paragraphs of text <laughs> outside of, you know, a small action scene that's happening. Like it, it very much clicks in, in vibes with the what the whole story is totally trying to do, where there's this retro feel where there's big monsters a character in a, in a costume. Um, I guess that kind of brings me to another question that I wanted to get to is you, so you're working with uh, an artist on this book swap trap, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how did you right. meet them and how did, how did you two, I guess, start collaborating? So, yeah, so that's a, I, I love swap trap. He's such a wonderful guy. So um, we met on an art subreddit, uh, you know, on Reddit and um, I was looking for an artist that I could collaborate with who had an understanding of, um, you know, the history of comics and, and everything. And we really got started talking about Jack Kirby. And that was, that was our entry point. And, and cool. he was, he's, you know, he's from India, so he doesn't have a lot of primary access to uh, comics from the United States. So he had um, been piecing together his, his fandom from things that he could find on the internet. Um, you know, unfortunately, Comixology is not available in, in India right now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, that would be so he, he had been uh, uh, putting together this this aesthetic that involved a lot of Jack Kirbyism. And so I I put together um, um, a style guide and it was made mostly from comics from Jack Kirby, uh, Harry G. Peter, who's the original artist on Wonder Woman and um, Bill Everett, who invented uh, Namor and uh, the, the original Human Torch. Um, and so I, I took a bunch of like individual pictures of like, like I, I would take like, like three or four photos of just wrists and then I would compare how mm. each, each, uh, each artist drew, uh, wrists and I would, you know, or just, just knuckles, um, ears, you know, and, and so I would compare how, how all these things were done so that we could really have n not just have, um, be evoking the style of these great artists, but also blending them in a way that was new. We didn't want to just we didn't want to just rip them off. We wanted to learn what we could, what are they all doing in common, and how can we shift that in a way that makes it our own while still learning all the lessons. You know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. They had already mastered all these things. So we want to we want to make something unique that's a sort of a remix of these these masters. 
and uh, and so working with him was was wonderful. He's so good at this. Like we even my favorite thing about working with him was that we we were even able to when we were having a hard time um, coming to a conclusion about how the faces should be drawn. We decided that what I should do is I should take photos of my own face making the expressions, and then he, I would send those to him. And so, I, and I had labeled them, you know, page page nine, frame eight, page nine, yeah. frame nine. And so, and so I, so I had, you know, you know, Cobra, you know, and then Dorothy. And so I, I had the each of these pictures of me, and then he would duplicate that in the art and i'd go oh my it's so much that's so much better than trying to describe it in a block of text you know (laughs) yeah so uh so yeah it's something um you know we we kind of did um what i call the the pcar method uh i don't know if if you're familiar familiar with uh independent artist uh or not he was an author harvey pcar i i am but i'm not familiar with his method uh if you don't mind indulging yeah, so he was. Uh, so um, I, I'm a big fan of his. The history of his work. Um, I, I wouldn't say that his comics are my favorite comics ever made because I'm really much more of a science fiction and fantasy person. Uh, for anyone listening sure. who's not familiar with Harvey Pekar, he wrote a lot about a slice of life stuff and uh, just being, you know, his age in his time and the unique perspective that he brought to the world and um, I really I have a lot of respect for him as a person and I really like uh, a lot of his autobiographical work Um, but uh, but he had this method where he would basically draw stick figures and he would leave little notes in the margins being like upset because this has happened or like this is a dog you know because he can't draw a dog very well and then (laughs) and then he would and he would write out what he wanted this, this to be in the, the the speech bubbles, and then the artist would take that and then replace his crappy art and his um, you know hand scrawled messages and with actual typesetting and actual art. So it mm-hmm. wasn't a script, right? And it wasn't the Marvel method. It was this this sort of you know making stick figures and so, so we we sort of took that. I can draw, you know. I I'm I, I'm not the I'm not. Totally incompetent drawing. I can draw a stick figure and I can make it look like he's buff and I can make it look like he's sad. Like I know how to make <laughs> basic drawings and I, I, I can I can win at Pictionary, but sure, um, sure. but I'm not a, I'm not an illustrator. I'm not a, a literal genius like Swap Trap. So yeah. um, so Swap Trap was able to take my little I drawn out on these pieces of paper um, these little it, pictures of stick figures making faces and how they should be positioned and how I like it framed where on the page the words are. And he would take that and he would just make it come alive. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, he's just a wizard, I guess, because I, yeah. you know, I, like I said, I can draw, but I can't do what he does. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it was a, absolute pleasure to work with him he was always wonderful to work with and anyone who's listening who has any kind of commissions to work with especially comics related at swap trap s-w-a-p-t-r-a-p please commission him he is amazing yeah i i will say the the art is is really fun it's really kinetic i think is a word that a lot of people use for like the amount of like motion and action that you see in books uh there's there's a specific page in general that you have like i think there's like nine a nine panel grid with two other panels on top and i'm actually looking at it right now where there's just this wham bam like thank you ma'am kind of moment (laughs) um and i i really love when when artists do that i think we see it in in big two books a lot where there's a lot of action and everyone just claps their hands very politely there's like this is what comic books are about and this you know swap 
Swap Trap has been able to do that, and it's so much fun. And this is just one example, I think, of one of the of the pages that are just classic comic books. It totally works on like every single level, which makes this such an enjoyable read. Which is why I'm very excited to get those last few pages of this book, so I can see what <laughs> happens with a huge cliffhanger. How dare you send over a copy with a cliffhanger to me? Um, <laughs> but no, it was it was it's it's a great read, and I'm I'm very excited to see. Um, hopefully, you know the Kickstarter goes well. Um, I don't think it'll be finished by the time this comes out. So, um, you know, make sure you folks go check it out with the link that we have in the show notes. I guess. And t- uh, speaking of the Kickstarter, I guess for those folks who are interested, what kind of uh, uh, rewards can they expect if this Kickstarter is successful? Yeah. So the uh, easiest one is the two dollar tier. That is a digital comic that's both available in both English and Spanish. I had my Uruguayan friends help me translate it into a more fluid and native Spanish than I could do on my own. Um, oh, nice. And then at six dollars, we have one physical copy. Uh, $10 is two physical copies, one to keep and one uh, bagged and boarded because they'll all come bagged and boarded. Uh, so one you can keep bagged and boarded and the other one you can actually get sticky with your little fingers and your peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, we have a retailer's tier for retailers. Um, that's uh, And that one's $15. Uh, you get five comics and they have an MSRP of $6 each. So that is a competitive price. Um, and then the, the big one that, uh, that I'd really like to see someone accept is for $100, not only will you get two comics, but you'll also get one of those original rough draft pages that I was talking about that I drew on with my little stick figures. You'll get one of, <laughs> you'll get that in a, you get that mailed to you from my home with my signature and you'll be able to keep that as a piece of comics history forever. So you get two comics plus a piece of comics history. So that's the hundred dollar tier. That's that's fantastic. I, I really like that last one. <laughs> just just <laughs> because I mean that is that's one of those rare comic book artifacts that I don't feel like we see very often. Like, you know, I, I feel like it's rare to get like comic scripts as part of Kickstarters and stuff like that. And this is why I always enjoy uh, supporting folks on Kickstarter, specifically because of this, the very unique tiers and rewards that you probably are not gonna get in any other capacity, right? Like crowdfunding is the only place um, to really get these kinds of very unique, really interesting rewards. That's that's a really cool idea. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I just, I know how excited I would be to have a piece of history like that. So I wanted to share the love. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, cool. I guess uh, t- to wrap things up here, um, I mean, everybody should go check this out again. There's going to be links to everything in the show notes. Um, this is a really fun comic book. I guess, uh, Bijan, uh, where can folks find you on the internet if they have any questions or they just want to check you, check out the other work that you may do after uh, Cobra Olympus? Yeah, so my studio is called Jamsheed Studios. That's spelled J-A-M-S-H. E-E-D. So we're at Jamsheed Studios everywhere on the internet. Um, and uh, we're doing games, we're doing novels, we're doing all kinds of things. Uh, we're doing this this comic, and a lot of them take place in the same universe. So characters from other things might pop up in Cobra Olympus, and Cobra Olympus might pop up in some other things. So go check out the Time Wars universe via Jamsheed Studios. J-A-M-S-H-E-E-D studios 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to get links to all that stuff in the show notes. As I said, uh, I guess to wrap the show up here, uh, thank you again for coming on. I'm, I'm really excited to see this Kickstarter gets, you know, get funded. Um, hope everybody out there has a chance to, to check that. Make, again, link is in the show notes. Uh, and for me, I guess to wrap things up, you know, everybody who's listening to this episode should already know this, but you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Discord. We've got our Goodreads. We've got a YouTube channel. You know, everything's there. We're going to be doing some very special fun stuff here during the summer. So make sure you're following there to see what's happening. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander, our editor, will glad you get, gladly give you his eye for fashion if only you'd ask. I want to say thank you uh, again for everybody out there who's listening. Uh, thank you, uh, Bijan, Bijan, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. Yeah.